Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hi, welcome back. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor at Compass, and thank you for joining me. Now, over the last several weeks, we've been in a message series called When Church Hurts You, because we've been talking about this heavy subject of when people are hurt by the church. But the truth is, this is not a new problem. Things like spiritual and sexual abuse have been happening in segments of the church for ages. But these things have just been hidden under the surface. They've been covered up, explained away, and diminished in order to protect the larger organization of the small C church. Imagine it, it's like a, a big old zit that's popped up on your skin. The infection that caused that zit was there long before your pimple was. You just couldn't see it on your skin until it erupted. Now, we've been talking about these infected zits and what causes them over the last several weeks, and honestly, it's felt kind of gross. Because even when it makes us feel better and helps us heal to talk about it, popping zits is still gross business. And even when it needs to be done, nobody really wants to see it. Except my wife, who does love those pimple popping videos online, and I guess everyone who enjoys watching Dr. Pimple Popper. So, okay, maybe this analogy is just for me, but it is true that some things in life are just heavy, awful, and difficult to face, just gross. And the fact that church leaders and institutions have hurt the people that they're supposed to love and care for is one of those things. So today, I want to share something with you that helps me when I feel crappy about the world, when I feel like things are gross, and that's my dog Echo. So when we adopted Echo 15 years ago from a shelter, we totally hit the jackpot. I mean, somehow we got the sweetest, smartest, and kindest dog there ever was. Cameron, who's our oldest child, she was only five when we got Echo, and And that dog was immediately one of the kids. I mean, she played with them, she fed off their energy, and she was so patient with our, at the time, very wild children. Uh, Echo let them dress her up like a princess in a game that they all called Passion Paws. And you can tell by her expression that she kind of hated it. And it's a miracle we have any pictures at all because we could hardly get her to look at the camera, I think because she was probably a little bit embarrassed. Echo's willingness to let us dress her up has just been crazy, especially since I know that deep down she hates it. Now, I've tried to play it cool and act all tough, but I just love her. Echo is one of my favorite people in the whole world. She's just our sweet little baby. But that doesn't mean that she's always been perfect. I mean, Echo had a phase when anytime she found another animal's poop outside, she felt compelled to cover herself in it completely by rolling around in it and then showing it off for us in the house. Now that was awful, but there are also these unintentional dog things she does that are annoying that you may be familiar with if you're a dog owner. I mean, we have a no shoes inside rule at our house and Echo always manages to step on our feet with her sharp pointy claws in the most painful way possible. It's like she has this sixth sense to know where our feet are at all times. But the one thing that we have worked the hardest on with Echo since she was a puppy is biting. Now, again, I want you to know, Echo is a patient and gentle dog. She does not bite people. 
But unlike us, dogs don't have hands to pick things up or to give fist bumps or to play games with. They do all of these things with their mouths, which are also full of teeth. And while Echo would never bite with the intention to hurt anyone, sometimes those teeth would get us. So while we were training her, we discovered that there were these three types of bites that came from Echo that we needed to manage and train her for. And the first type of bite were play bites. Now, I would be pretty rough when I played with Echo. I loved like wrestling with her or playing tug of war with her with this, you know, a rope on the floor. And, and while I could use my hands to play with Echo, she had to use her mouth. And because of that, every once in a while, I would get a play bite that hurt maybe a little bit more than it was supposed to. Echo wasn't trying to hurt me. I mean, she loved me and we were playing. But sometimes in her attempts to be playful, she would unintentionally bite just a little bit too hard. And so for us to deal with that, we learned that we needed to let her know when she'd hurt us. And we tried to avoid doing things that would get her too amped up and out of control so that she could accidentally play bite us. So the second unintentional bite, it happens a lot now that she's a lot older. I mean, because again, Echo's at least 15. We picked her up at the shelter when she was one or two. And you can kind of tell from this picture that she's starting to get cataracts and she can't see as well as she once did. And so when I give her treats, she can't quite tell where the treat ends and where my hand begins. And if I'm not careful, she can get a good mouthful of my hand and it hurts. And that goes in no way trying to hurt me. In fact, she's just letting me be kind to her by giving her a treat. But because of circumstances that are outside of her control, she can't tell when she's accidentally biting me. And so to deal with that, I'll either toss her treats, let her get them, or I'll give her treats off of my palm. It's flat. So because she can't adjust for it, so I have to adjust for it. Now, the third intent, unintentional bite that Echo does, it happens when something is hurting her. So for example, Echo once had to get a bunch of stitches and she was really sore after that. And so I had to carry her up and down the stairs for a bit because she couldn't walk up and down herself. Now, normally when we do something that makes her uncomfortable, she can let us know by moving, getting out of the way. Sometimes she'll even growl a little bit to let us know. But one time I had to pick her up to carry her up the stairs and I must have hit a spot that really hurt because she snapped at me out of nowhere. I put her down again really quickly because I could tell she was hurting and we were fine. But again, if someone steps on my foot, I can say, get off my foot, dude. Or I can push them off of my foot with my hands. Dogs don't have words or hands. They just have a mouth. And sometimes when they're being hurt, the only way to communicate it is by snapping at what's hurting them. Now, we deal with this with Echo by trying to be super sensitive to how she feels, especially now that she's so old and... I mean, just, you can tell that getting up and getting down hurts. Now you may have figured out by now that I'm not just telling you about Echo because she's the best dog in the world and everyone needs to know about her. Although all of that is true and that would be reason enough to dedicate a whole message to Echo. But it's also true that dogs bite. And while good dogs like Echo would never do it intentionally, sometimes it just happens. And whether you know, she's obliviously stomping on our bare feet, uh, getting a little too rough while we're playing or chomping down on my hand because she thinks, thinks it's a bacon treat. There have been times that Echo has hurt us without even being aware of the fact that she's hurting us. 
people bite too. You may not know this, but they do. And whether it's at home, at school, or work, or online, we've all been bitten and hurt by other people. You want to know a secret? Even church people bite. Now, we've talked about the harm that's caused by church leaders and institutions, but this is different because not all bites are equal. Church people bite, but not all church hurt is the same. Some church hurts are inflicted by wolves and predators, but some church hurts are inflicted by sweet old family dogs that don't know they're playing too rough and they aren't even aware they're hurting you. And while there's a significant difference between the systemic church hurt that we've been talking about over the last couple weeks and the unintentional hurts that people can inflict on each other, the reality is, is that the pain of those bites isn't always that different. And while a sexual abuse scandal is wildly different than someone saying something hurtful, sometimes the pain feels exactly the same. And it doesn't matter if the person who said that thing understood the impact of their words, because hurt is still hurt. So how do we tell the difference between major church hurt and the smaller everyday hurts when both of those things feel exactly the same? And what do we do when we can expect to be hurt in the world, but still have a hard time telling the difference between play bites and real bites? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because while we can't diminish or excuse and shouldn't diminish or excuse the damage done by abusive church leaders and, and structures, we also can't live in a world where every hurt we feel divides us and destroys our relationships. So to figure this out, we're going to take a look at some guidance that the Apostle Paul gave that I think can, can help us to navigate the unintentional hurts that happen to us in the church and, and that will prevent us from being people who unintentionally hurt others. But before we get to what Paul says, I just want to take a quick pit stop so that we can understand what Paul believed about Jesus. Because everything Paul taught, it comes from the stripped down core teachings of Jesus. Now, let me just give you two examples of what the, that, that core teaching is. Matthew 7, 12, Jesus said, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and prophets. So treat people the way you want to be treated. That is everything in scripture boiled down. Jesus says this in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And again, he says this, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So here we have these two statements that Jesus gives about how to love other people and how to treat other people. And at the heart of these statements that Jesus makes is the thing that he's all about, relationships. The reason He's so clear about this, and the reason he emphasized it so heavily, not just in his teaching, but in the way he lived, is because all religions tend to gravitate toward rule-keeping instead of relationship building. But Jesus was setting up something totally and completely different for his followers. And he kind of articulates this in John 13, 34. When Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. 
Jesus is setting up something completely different than any other religion that has existed. And he's saying this, that your faith is not proved by how much you know or how much you go to church, but by how much you love. And that, that is the foundation that Paul built his life and his teachings on. And in this letter that he writes to the Colossian church, Paul explains to them what that looks like when it's lived out in the lives of Jesus followers. And Paul writes this, Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. You, can, you read this and it's almost like Paul knows that people in the church will unintentionally bite each other. I mean, you can see it when he tells us that we need to make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Because Paul knows we have faults. And that at some point, we will all be offended by someone or do something that offends someone else. But what matters most to Paul is that we are bound together in perfect harmony by love, that we're unified and connected in relationship. And perfect harmony requires that we make allowance for each other's faults and forgive those who offend us. To help us do that, Paul gives us five qualities that all followers of Jesus should embrace. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So just for sake of argument, let's define these things. Okay, so first we have compassion. Compassion is to act on a concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. It's seeing people as the main characters of their own story with the same feelings, insecurities, and challenges that you have. It's recognizing that you aren't the only person in the world that matters, but that other people do. Second, kindness. Kindness is the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. So it's, it's being amiable, thoughtful. It's being tolerant of other people regardless of who they are or how they live. Third quality Paul gives, humility. Humility is putting others first all the time. And it's also the recognition that you may not, you may not always be right in any given conflict or situation. Because pride says, how I feel is what matters most. Humility says, I feel hurt and offended, but I could be wrong about that person's intent. I mean, this could be a misunderstanding or bad communication, and I'm willing to admit that I might be wrong if it means that our relationship is set right. That's what humility is. The fourth quality Paul gives, gentleness. Gentleness is the quality of being careful, not harsh or severe. We want to say, hey, they bit me, so I should be able to bite back just as hard or even harder. But gentleness realizes that they may have bitten you unintentionally. Maybe because they weren't being careful with you. And rather than escalate, you give them the gentle care that they may not have given you. And then final quality is patience. Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without complaint or getting angry and upset. 
I don't need to react immediately because I feel hurt. Rather, I have the capacity to tolerate the things that are hurting me without responding in kind. Patience. Paul says to clothe ourselves in these things. And when we do that, when we clothe ourselves in these things every day, it will prevent us from unintentionally hurting others and it will prevent us from carrying hurt that others may not even know they inflicted on us. And these qualities also give us a lens with which to view other people because it gives us the ability to believe the best of them. By choosing to believe that the hurt or offense that they caused wasn't intentional, that maybe they were playing or maybe they were unaware of what they did or that perhaps they're hurting themselves. They're hurting so much that they can't even see how their actions are impacting others. And this is what love looks like. So we're gonna wrap up and as we do, I. I think the biggest challenge in implementing these five things in our lives is just remembering them. So I wanna give you a tool to help remember that. So Paul calls us to clothe ourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So I took the first letter of each of those words and I crafted a phrase that has honestly helped me remember this passage for years. Okay, you ready? Here it is. Cool kids hate granny panties. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Cool kids hate granny panties. It's a saying as practical as it is true. And it's a saying that can help you to never forget to clothe yourself in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Because you'll never forget that granny panties aren't cool. If my dog Echo has taught me anything, it's that it's possible to dearly and deeply love someone who hurts you sometimes? I mean, she accidentally bit me when I gave her a treat today. And it also means that I can be deeply loved even when I'm capable of unintentionally hurting other people. But that can only happen when together we choose love over hurt, when we choose compassion over selfishness, kindness over complaint, when we choose humility over self-centeredness, gentleness over anger, and when we choose patience, over intolerance. Cool kids hate granny panties. May we be the coolest of kids as we heal church hurt with love. May we bear with each other, believing the best of each other. And may we always follow the way of Jesus together in love and forgiveness. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.